0: So, last night I had a nightmare that uh, I was going to have no idea what to say to introduce our chapel speakers. And as I stand up here, I'm kind of realizing that nightmare is turning into a reality. So, without further ado, I'm going to welcome our wonderful senior who's going to give her t- chapel talk this morning. Uh, so, can we give a warm welcome to Esther Ellis?
1: you guys, um, I had a really hard time deciding what I was gonna talk about, and it came down to two things, and that was quoting every episode of The Office, or talking about my dog Flicka, and I decided to talk about my dog Flicka, so can we get the slides that I had? I'm kidding, <laughs> not gonna do that. Um, there are no slides, but I will show you pictures if you wanna see pictures after, they're on my phone. Um, what I really wanted to talk to you guys about though was something that has been um, kind of the theme of my time at Covenant, and that has been what independence and dependence means. So hopefully that will be relevant to you guys as you're in this place at Covenant and figuring out what it means to be independent. Um, and I'm really nervous right now too. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I think I'm more nervous than I am um, Right. I'm more nervous right now than I am about whether or not I'm going to pass Spanish. So you should all pray for me. Uh, yeah, individualism is something that our culture values really highly. Um, we're an individualistic society, and we're encouraged daily to become who we want to be and to have specific goals and plans for ourselves and to form our identity based on things that we love and that we enjoy, like the music we listen to and the dreams that we dream. And it's kind of like life is about you and what you make it to be, what you build for yourself. And there's also a sense of pride and identity that comes from paying for your own car insurance and paying your cell phone bill and your rent. It kind of sucks too, but you do it and you've provided for yourself and you've kind of become independent. And with legal independence, there comes this um, thing like, bigger tax refunds and more federal grants for school and a feeling that people just respect you for who you are and where you are and what you've done with your life and what you've accomplished and how you've succeeded. And so even in our faith, our identity as Christians um, and our outlook on life can be really individualistic. And even though we have the church and we have this collective place to worship, we are also individual followers of Christ and we each form relationships with Jesus. Um, We can enter into his presence through prayer and talk to him directly. And we sense his direction and his leading on our own lives. And we make important decisions about our faith based on what we believe scripture is saying to us um, individually. And we also make important life decisions for ourselves, saying things like, this is what I believe God wants me to do, and this is where I believe he's leading me. And That's really great, and I think that your identity as a believer is really, really important. Um, Independence is a beautiful thing, it's really scary and exciting and fun all at the same time. Um, And we should never ever become so dependent on someone that we are dependent on them for our happiness. To expect someone to be something for us that they were never supposed to be is to um, suffocate them and imprison them and kind of make them feel this burden And I wish for all of you to never suffocate someone with how much you love them and how much you need them. But I also wish for you all to not push away the people that are closest to you with how much you desire independence, which can be easy to do without even realizing it. Um, And don't let how individualistic our culture is affect how you view your relationship with Christ and how you approach it. Because um, one of the most amazing things about our faith is how completely and utterly dependent we are on Jesus. Even in the context of, or even thinking about how independent we can be and how awesome that is, it's so incredible and life-changing to know that um, you can become that independent person, but that you're also completely and utterly dependent on Christ. Because he will never be suffocated by how much you love him, and he will never be burdened by how much you need him. He wants you to be clingy, and he wants you to need him in that way, and to cling to the cross, and cling to what he's done for you. And in the darkest of times, whatever you're going through, that's all that you'll have when you come back and you think about how dependent you are on him. And it's really important to understand that well, and to believe it, and live like you believe it. Um, The reason I wanted to talk to you guys about independence is because it's kind of been a consistent lesson that I've had to learn every semester. Um, and it's come up in different ways. Um, like what, what is dependence and what is independence? And especially as you get older and you really do become independent, it's really, really, really easy to not want to think about the decisions that you make or the choices that you make and the things that you say. And I have been hurt by the people closest to me and the people that I love the most. And I have hurt them in return because um, of my fight for independence. And even as justified as it may seem in the moment, we've said things to each other that we regret. And in our struggle to understand what each other wants and needs, we've hurt each other. And this can happen in any kind of relationship, whether it's fathers and mothers with their children, whether it's husbands and wives and brothers and sisters. You can hurt and damage relationship really easily by not taking the time to listen to each other or be thoughtful and considerate about the choices that you have every right to make. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes, and people make mistakes. But there's something you can do that's really awesome and that will show people that you respect them, whether or not you agree with them. And whatever stage you're at in life, no matter how young or how old or mature that you are, um, it's really important to always be willing to ask thoughtful questions about the choices that you make and consider really carefully how those choices affect others. That's a really, really awesome and mature step that you can take to um, love others well and to love them sincerely. Um, In saying all of that, I would also love to encourage you guys to not be afraid of making mistakes. Um, Whatever decisions you make, whatever you choose to your life, don't be afraid of that. Because if you're pursuing truth and you want God's guidance and his leading in your life, He will give it to you, and He will gently show you and guide you. Um, There's actually two people here today that told me that like a year ago, a year and a half ago, when I was trying to make a really important decision, and I had no clue what I was supposed to do, um, and I was really stressing out about it and really anxious. They said to me, God's going to gently show you and guide you. And I was like, what? He loves me, and He's going to do that? He's not going to strike me down if I make the wrong decision? Um, And if you are surrounding yourselves with family and friends who are willing to speak truth into your life, he's going to do that for you, and he's not going to leave you or forsake you in those moments when you need him the most. Um, I regret making some of the mistakes I've made, but I don't regret learning what I have learned from them. And I think that all of the more mature believers here would also agree that we're probably going to have to learn the same lessons over and over again through our entire lives. Uh, The lessons will change shape and form as God changes you and shapes you. Um, But when you think you have it all figured out, you probably don't. Um, But remember that uh, what I said earlier, that God will never leave you or forsake you. Um, He's full of light. He is light. And he's present in the darkest of places. Um, I think something that a lot of people struggle with that they don't realize they struggle with is depression. Depression. And that is something that I've struggled with consistently throughout my life. And it's one of those things that you don't realize it's happening, but then it happens, and you're like, what happened? My joy is just drained out of me. It's like someone turned a plug, and there's nothing you can do to get it back. And I remember distinctly my second semester here. I um, was really depressed and didn't know why. And I thought that if I could get back to a place in my life where I was happy again and where I was enjoying life and with people that I cared about that I would be able to get through it. And God so clearly spoke to me in that moment and was like, that's why I died and that's what I'm here for. I'm here to be for you the things that you think you need to make you happy. Um, Again, he's full of light and he's present in the darkest of places. And that's an incredible paradox, one of a million that is true to our God that we serve. Um, I would like to finish my talk to you guys by reading my favorite chapter, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And in reflecting on what I've said, I just hope that as I read it, that your hearts, whatever you're going through, whatever you're thinking about, that they would just be able to be stilled and rest in this really beautiful truth. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart But Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, Let light shine out of darkness, and he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Thank you guys.
0: Yo, 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 you know, like me. Uh, 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 yo, yo. have you ever seen a little who we doing But I do? Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, woo! Yeah. Let's get at it, dawg. Come okay. on. Uh, yeah. Woo. Now what goes up must come down. But when you ain't coming down, it be them same old clowns. Giving yeah. you yeah. pound, pretending they proud. But when you leave town, they go around running their mouth. They something like a hater, man, talking bad, a if I'm not going to see you later, man You can't be frontin' until you're confronted on If you don't like what's going on, go on to another song Cause I keep a hater guilty My cars and my money are alike, man Both them filthy From skipping and empty to fuel on fool See, I be a- when my car go boo. Obey no rules to school you fools Schoolboy Earl with young dude news St. Louis like bluesy D- Miles and Larry Hughes And the young dude done paid, young dude, dude, dude But yo, what the fuck gon' be, yo Look on this All I need is the truck in the see, I don't need no hook on this beat. All I need is <sighs> the truck in the back. Give another hand for Esther Ellis, everybody. I have been privileged to be able to appear before you many times throughout my Covenant career, though many times were explicitly to look like a fool. Today, I would like to speak candidly, seriously, about my experience at Covenant, and perhaps you may be able to benefit from it. If you were expecting a good speech on comedy, please listen to Matt Trexler's senior testimony. Firstly, this joke... Uh, This hook costume in the backing track is one of the funniest things I've ever seen, which shows you my sense of humor. Um, I stole this joke, yes, I pirated this joke from comedian Neil Patrick Harris, who is very gay and very funny. Um, I stole it firstly because I think it's hilarious and because I want to make a point with it. The best ideas are usually things we've seen or heard before. I've always liked older people, old literature, all of our professors, because Because they've figured most of it out before we were even here. Uh, There are so many chapel messages, so many wise instructions that are loaded with the words of God, with exactly what you need to hear, uh, but sometimes they come too soon or too early. I've been surprised how often, especially at covenant, I've had to relearn many, many things in life. Uh, For example... I have 60 chapel summaries to do. (laughs) So, as you can see, I have failed. So often at Covenant, I have failed to recognize God. I have failed to truly praise him. I have failed to read my Bible. I have failed to lead my hall when they need me and to be an example to them when they need it. I have failed to love my friends. I have failed to give people the time of the day. I have failed to love. I have failed over and over again in my relationships, in my studies, in my walk. I am a failure. But what a wonderful place where I can learn how to fail. And what better a community to fail in front of. I love the catacombs, when I, when, when I applied to Covenant, Jacob Corbett demanded I live there and I didn't know why and I just did it and I regretted it, actually I regretted it at first but now I don't. Um, when I came in I was shepherded by 11 seniors living on and off campus who lived on the catacombs too and they showed me the power of brotherhood, authenticity, honesty, love and I truly became a Christian my freshman year with those people. And each year on catacombs I've seen Christ in my brothers and sadly some of you will never understand that. Uh, But I've failed to emulate those characteristics and I've failed to inspire them in others. In many ways, despite trying to desperately not to, I've become the hook to the Lost Boys. Ceaselessly, I compare myself and my covenant experience with the year before, with the people before, To a fault, I idolize the past. Every year, I have to relearn my plight and relearn my escape from it. On the catacombs and at Covenant, I have dealt with some incredibly offensive and challenging people. I even grew to love some of those people. But I see too many uneasy glances here, and I have been on the receiving end of those. I see too many people simply tolerating others, not loving them. I have sinned in the same way. I have been that passive-aggressive, judgmental Christian. I reduce people to characters. I view life often as if it were open to all my analyzations, just like I would a piece of literature. English major. Um, I create themes and analogies where there are none. I, and I strip humanity away from people. Because it's easy. I've watched people like the old William Wolfe with vague amusement, disdain, and pity. Because I refuse to treat them like I would a friend. I refuse to be selfless. And William Wolfe gave one of the most powerful testimonies I've ever heard here, which is awesome. I see people being nice and timid, or harsh and proud. I see people following their calling, but without Christ, or learning how to lead, but never following. I hear people call weaker brother, but they never attempt to get stronger. I see people erring towards what is safe and what is easy, when they could be doing what is right. And I see all of that, and myself. Now I'm not saying that catacombs or ghetto are model Christians, please don't take me for that, but the negative, judgmental, fearful ways that I may look at you or you may look at me or catacombs or ghetto, whoever might be the same way a non-Christian looks at Christianity. And do we not all follow the same God? When my older sister, Anna, was, she's now 27, was eight years old, she was diagnosed with aplastic anemia, um, which is a horrible disease, and her bone marrow and blood cells uh, are damaged and the body attacks itself. It's potentially life-threatening and definitely life-altering. My mother calls me a gift. My dad reminded her that I was an accidental baby, <laughs> um, but it turned out I was a match when I was two years old. Uh, I had to give bone marrow from two years old uh, to the time of 17 different times, and uh, up her life um, for more than three fourths of it has been this disease. She was told she would not be able to have children, and actually she gave birth to my nephew three months ago. <clears throat> so the evidence of the fall was very quick in my life when I was two years old, this happened, so I saw it very quickly um, but It's evoked a deep appreciation and consideration of redemption and of the sovereignty of God. I have had so many friends here and elsewhere who have dealt with the fall, who have dwelt in it. Uh, We forget about redemption and resurrection because it's unoriginal, it's old. We don't remember any of it. Uh, The fall was so long and so tedious, but you can't dwell on it. In your failures and regrets and sins, it has been and is being conquered, the fall is is not where we're meant to live. And above all, I've had to relearn that. I focus a lot on self-sufficiency. If I can conquer my life, take charge of what's mine, be competent, intelligent, and interesting, I have achieved some form of twisted enlightenment. But but not love and not God. Now, this idea tempts me often. And then I recall that it took billions of now dead humans, thousands of years, to get society and technology to a point where I claim I have it under control. Intelligence is so overemphasized here. It's a gift, not a virtue. God wants you to be fruitful with whatever intelligence you have. If it's large, be fruitful. If it's small, be fruitful. So many people with large intelligence are not fruitful with it. Um, I've had to relearn to not value people on their intelligence, on their self-sufficiency, on how interesting they are. I was surprised to learn, well, anything, <laughs> from the movie The Last Samurai. <laughs> but I learned from Tom Cruise <clears throat> that samurai comes from the word that means to serve. So whenever I get bummed out over how lame serving people is, I think, oh, I'm one of God's samurai. But I think, in a lot of ways, serving is the antidote to all these problems. Uh, Our chief end to follow God, in a lot of ways, is to serve. And I think there's, I see too little of that here in most places. Um, Here are my last words. Uh, Everyone, serve. And do it for them and for God, not for you. One of my biggest regrets is holding back. is being afraid to serve someone, fearing they'd feel uncomfortable, or that they wouldn't believe I was authentic. Talk with people. It's, my senior year, I thought I wouldn't be able to talk to people, and I've been able to talk to so many more through the musical, through other avenues. Talk to them and listen to them. It may be a story you've heard, but it's a story God crafted with his own hand. And no, it's never too late for God. Finally, learn well, tell jokes, Pull pranks, Surrender to God and courage, which means to give courage and love others. Don't simply tolerate people. Uh, pray for eyes to see Jesus and serve. Um, and to the catacombs, though I may appear to have grown up, always, I will always be a lost boy inside. Thank you.